0: All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio. This is episode 409. Jason Lingren is with me and Swee Generous is back. Swee has been on previous episodes 301 and 376. Also, it should be noted, Kurt Kallenbach and Swee have been working together and that's about a no, as no-nonsense appearing as I can imagine. From my point of view, uh, we've talked about the certificated person, the paper twin Whatever you want to call it, the birth certificate, what goes on at a birth, um, SWE has done the most verbatim audit of what's actually going on, and we're going to be covering some of that. But I want to make a point here. Kirk back way back in the day, pointed out one of the most important things that we've covered here, pointing out that you didn't come to be at the port of entry called the birth. Uh, you've been here since the zygote. It's a critical idea. And... I just, by chance, last night was reading a book that anyone who wants to know about the sky clock should have. It's by Ptolemy, Claudius Ptolemy, and it's called Tetra Biblos. I think that means four books. It is his point of view way back in the day, why the sky clock is important and what the things meant to him. But in that, he pointed out that most of us think that this all starts at the birth canal. Ptolemy pointed out this starts at conception, what he called conception. And these are just more confirmations down the road. But anyhow, as we get in with Swee here, we're going to level up a little bit as he's been auditing, as he has been. And for my money, this is the most concise information you're going to get on the topic. Jason, welcome. And good morning. I feel like I dropped anything. I could have done the Kurt episodes, but there's like eight or nine of them. Kurt's been here as much as anyone, I think. That is true. Yeah. Should we just jump in here? Let's do it. All right. Welcome, Swee. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be back. All right. Well, we've got a lot of bullet points for hour one and two. You tagged hour one as problems with the government issued identity, and hour two is this how they do it? We're not going to read the bullets verbatim. So why don't you just go ahead and jump in and cue it up? And if you want Jason to queue it up via the bullets, we can go do it that way too.
1: All right. Yeah. So I'm just going to follow the the outline sort of loosely here. Just to begin, I because these are I guess, titled as the legal episodes, just a few words on that because you sort of seem to have two different groups and they're bundled together. So just for, the, for people to see what's happening here is that there's two different legal systems that are being discussed or kind of wrapped in these episodes. So it's, it's uh, the domestic uh, legal system, which is the U.S. mostly. With Dr. Graves and Fagiolo and Hauser and Kale and these guys, and that's all about how to operate within that system. And what you have to get, and people have to get, is that once you're in that system, what it's based on is your government-issued identity. That is what gets summoned to courts and all that, and that's what gets issued all these identity cards and all that. But if you if you take a step further um, or higher up, um, you have to consider international law between uh, between states, and when you look into the personality question, uh, deep enough, that's what you're gonna face. So basically, um, and uh, I'm I'm not gonna try and explain what how uh, what and how Kurt handles this topic, but basically we are touching a lot of the stuff on the international law level. So that's just for clarity and. There's another small detail about international law. Uh, if, if you read, if, if you find like some of the biggest names in that field, uh, one of them is, is an ex-judge, uh, 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 if not the chairman of the International Court of Justice, uh, Herr Lauterbach. And he, he's like the most celebrated lawyer ever. Um, and he, on, on one of his books... Uh, there's a quote that I that I have here. It's on uh, uh, the book called International Law, a Treatise by Oppenheim. It's the eighth edition. It's, by the way, a very hard book to find. Volume one, page six. And he says, international law is in its origin essentially a product of Christian civilization. Now, <clears throat> that guy is like the biggest name in law in the past century. He says that. In his book, so basically, what we have there is a is a direct link between the church and the state.
0: The Vatican, to be clear, if we're talking about who was central and who was in charge, uh, that would be the Vatican, right? Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: Christians, the Christian church, I guess they are sort of bundled into different pockets, but they are pretty much under the same roof, uh, as far as I, as far as I can see. All right. So if we do a little. Quick recap of what I've been discussing in the in the previous episode. So the first one was really the documentation that I was I, I was able to obtain. So this is all about the government created or government issued uh, identity. So if if we I'm gonna list the documents that I have, and I'm gonna sort of list them in in the in the backwards going back from the actual birth certificate. So basically what happened before that, because it's a document trail and this is kind of how I also obtained this document. So anybody can go and get a birth certificate from, and that's a printout from the population register. Now that is a printout of a database entry, which is the actual population register entry. That's the identity. You know, obviously that cannot be created out of thin air. There has to be some kind of documentation or information that creates that database entry. And what I found was that that database entry is created based on the notification that comes from the church uh, in in this particular instance. There's a couple of other routes, but the main document is a notification sent by the church. And then before that, obviously, is another document from the hospital, uh, which is from the maternity ward. And that's called in the US, I guess, Certificate of Live Birth. But it's practically the same document in Europe. And that is something that lists the biometric information of of the child. And then before that, you would have sort of the journal entries of the hospital so basically some kind of a birth report that explains what happens and lists all kinds of biometric data on it and there might also be a c-section report which was also relevant in this case so there's like a bundle of documents in sequence that gets created and it ends up becoming a database entry in the population register and that's the identity and that's the That's the identity that, you know, all government issued IDs are based on that entry. Um, So that is what, and that's what's being asked when you encounter some government officials. They always want your identity. Okay. So and then in the episode 376, we talked about how, we talked about these documents and how the interpretation of those documents actually happens. And we we're talking about how there are a lot of double meanings if not triple meanings in those and, and a lot of the wording and terminology on these documents is unclear it's not really explained so we don't know it and the people who handle these documents don't know it and there are no instructions or explanations of what this terminology is supposed to mean so so that's a bit of a bit of an odd situation
0: can I ask you a question? There, do you feel like there's a certain level where people begin to comprehend? If you go up the chain of, I'll just call it the chain of command, hmm. uh, where the assumption here is that the lower level people have no clue about what's going on, but doesn't there have to be people at a certain level who do have a clue for this yeah. all to function?
1: Yeah, and that's going to be in the courts. So, at the point where these documents start to make some difference, or when serious questions are asked, uh, that's where the people know these plausible explanations or these different ways to interpret these documents come in and typically that's th- those are the interactions in the court so you can simplify it in a way that there's a living man and then there is a database entry and then the first question always is that could the man please identify themselves and then most of the people identify themselves as, The database entry. Now, then, the question is, what is the database entry? And the second question is, what is the status of the man if you don't consider that database entry? (laughs) And these these are the questions uh, we've been trying to solve here. And I've I've taken the route of just asking directly. You know, I've I've been just emailing these uh, government officials uh, for hundreds of emails now hundreds of actually different officials now, all various different departments. Anytime I get any approach, uh, I would just basically turn the dialogue into asking questions about the actual identity. Because so far I've been able to just accumulate information that doesn't make sense. And I've been asking questions that nobody, uh, nobody can answer or refuses to answer.
0: Let's just cue this up. So what Swee basically did is he went back and did a very thorough audit of every document that was created when he was born and others. Um, that's what this is all based on. That's what he's referencing. So now what we're talking about is he's getting to a point where he's all, wait a minute, none of this makes sense. So he's asking the hard questions, going up the chains of command, saying, what does this mean? What does this document do? These types of things. Is that about right, Sweet?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And What makes it really difficult and time consuming is that you have to interact well on the other hand it's time consuming but on the other hand it's a good thing that it's kind of all all over the place because it gives you more opportunities to ask the same questions so basically whenever so first i obviously chatted with the with the population register and the hospital and the church but then Anybody else who sends information or asks information that has to do with that government issued identity, you have the opportunity to ask these same questions. So, for example, you go and apply for a passport, and what happens is that they will get the printout from the population register and they will give you the printout and say, Can you confirm that this data is correct before you apply for the passport? well there's an opportunity to say <laughs> i can see this information i don't know what it means i know there's some problems so let's chat about it you know and then you can start these these dialogues all over the place and that's what i've done so i have like you know i don't know 500 emails from 100 different people back and forth and uh, you can sort of gradually build it up to these difficult questions and what happens is that first level people usually don't know anything about it they don't know what you're talking about, and they will escalate it up. And then it will, you just keep on pushing these emails higher and higher and higher. And it will eventually go to some lawyer in, in that department. And they will usually give some kind of knee-jerk reaction emails back that don't make any sense. In some cases, they reveal something that is valuable and interesting. And in some cases, they just outright show that they are unaware of what they're actually doing themselves.
0: Do you think they're being dismissive on purpose or do you think they really don't know?
1: Both. Most of them don't know.
0: But when you
1: hit the higher levels, then they start getting very careful. And then uh, at some point, they stop answering altogether. Uh, But it's all good information because I'm not asking anything uh, secret. I'm asking them to explain what is this paperwork that they think relates to me.
0: So can we just give a quick example? Let's say someone is going to get a passport and you're going to be asked, is this data correct? And they're drawing on what you're calling the census database. How would you start that conversation? Uh, What is it that you question right out of the gate before you agree to become the certificated identity?
1: Well, since I have the documents, this is easier now to do because I I was able to look at these documents that we went through in in the previous episodes. So I know they're not correct, I know they're untruthful, they don't describe the man, they describe something else. Plus they're they're full of terminology that is not explained and it can be uh, interpreted in, in many different ways. So what I can say is that I know that this identity is not correct, it's not truthful, it doesn't represent, uh, or if it represents something, I need some answers to my questions because to me it doesn't seem like it's it's fine. And that it makes a big difference because basically it shows your intent. And in law, the intent is a big, big, big thing. So basically, you don't have to say that it doesn't exist. The identity exists. It was created and it is on, on the database. But the question is, what is it and what does it mean? And if I say that I don't have intention to identify as that because I don't really know what it is and nobody has been able to explain me what it is, so it's really your problem. It's their problem to explain to me what is this creature. And there's, you know, there's no confrontation in that way. And that's that's the kind of the, the way I've been able to roll this forward. Because I'm not making any any sort of request or demands or saying, you know, making like crazy claims or something like that. I'm just saying I need the information because otherwise I don't know what you're talking about. It's your paperwork,
0: right? Sweet. It's interesting the way you just laid that down because you're basically saying, I don't identify with what's being put before me. Think of the gender agenda all over the world, which is basically telling everyone, even children can identify as anything they want. So I think it's interesting that you use that language now when clearly the politically correct way to operate is people can identify in any which way they want. And I think Mm -hmm. that kind of lends a little bit of help to what you're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and identity is a really big word because identity means sameness. So it's a legal act. When you identify as something, you're saying, I am same thing as that. So basically, if you identify as some creature that, you know, basically is just a legal fiction or even a corporate entity or a trust, then you're operating under that capacity. You're identifying as something, and that means that you're excluding the other that you're not identifying as. So basically, you're giving up the status that you have without identifying as something, and you're stepping into the shoes of whatever you're identifying as.
0: It's almost like saying the creator gave me who and what I am, and that gets shuffled aside so you can play the role of a fictitious character. All the well, world's it's a not stage.
1: almost like that. It is exactly that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all the world is in fact a stage. If people didn't catch what just happened, basically, if you're going to identify with what Sui's been calling the, the creature, the certificated fiction, uh, the sleight of legal hand, then basically you all of a sudden are stepping onto the world stage as a character, some character, which is what Sui's trying to get to the bottom of. Mm-hmm. And in a way, it's almost like you're giving up your birthright The creator, if you think about it, it's almost as bad as what Kurt pointed out. We're all sitting here thinking, Oh, yeah, I came to be when I was born. No, you were alive for probably nine months or more before that. You forgot about almost a year of your life. These are pretty basic ideas. It's hard to imagine how we got so far from reality, sweet.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's and Kurt's work is is stellar. Uh, He's he's done so much around this, but. My approach is slightly different because I've been just digging, I've been just basically, I won't drop these questions. I've been just sending them back and higher and higher and different departments um, because I, I could see how this, uh, I, I started to see clearer and clearer how this works. And when, when you juxtapose the reality, the biological reality, which is what Kurt talks a lot about and in super uh, detail. So when you think about that, when you accept that, then the contrast to this paper character creature becomes very clear. And then when you get these documents and you can see how they work legally, it's it's you know, it's you there's no other way to say it. It's a it's something different. It's it's it cannot be the same as as what I am. So and that that's sort of what led to the, um, let's say, two main problems with this paperwork, and and this is now the approach that I've taken. I've said that, okay, look, and by the way, before we go into this, um, when I pushed this up from different directions, um, what eventually happened was that the population registered uh, turned out to be. Uh, overseen by the Ministry of Finance. And so now it's the Ministry of Finance who's getting these questions. (laughs) Because they are the ones responsible for the legal oversight of the population register. So now think about it. (laughs) That's a tell, isn't it? That's a big tell. tell. It's a total tell.
0: Do we have any idea or have you come across anything to indicate If this is literally every country on earth or if there are any exceptions, for example, like starving Ethiopians being shown to you on television by Sally Struthers, like are they written off because they just don't care? Or is it literally every country or is it only westernized countries? Because it seems like there's only a few countries left without a central bank and that probably ties in to the Vatican, I would think.
1: I don't have enough details to talk about that yet, but what I do see is that Wherever you have these birth certificates, that's where the mechanism is pretty much the same. And one of the revealing parts is that I talked about that uh, European Union term bank last time. So there's like this online term bank, uh, which is for the official terminology of the EU. And it's a really neat... uh, (laughs) Uh, uh, resource because basically they have all these legal terms in different languages and they codified it so that you can follow which word means the same in different languages. Hmm. So basically, if I look, for example, the big term uh, born alive, I can trace it down to the specific words in different languages in Europe. And surprise, surprise, you look at those terms in different jurisdictions, how those terms are used in their legal systems, and it's exactly the same. So, yes, it works the same in every country.
0: Well, it seems like what you're describing is the definition is just being related to how each country or language says that idea, right? So, yeah. it's not the definition that's changing. It's the word that the definition is represented by, which yeah. implies this is universal at some level.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's that's how it works. So. When I got this, this paper, so, and tossed around these, these questions, there's two big problems at the end of the day. I won't go too much in the, in the details of the papers now because we've, we've talked about them before. But the first problem is that the, the information trail, the information on the paperwork, on the paper trail from the hospital to the church, to the population register, it's, it's inconsistent. The, the information is not logical. So when you compare, you, you take the three different pieces of info from the three different points of time. The first is the certificate of live birth, then it's the notification from the church, and then it's the birth certificate. The content is different and what's revealing is that only the hospital documentation has Biometric information, so meaning any kinds of descriptions or words that describe biological material. You know, it describes the baby, the cord, the placenta, the call veins, water. You know, all kinds of features, weights, height. You know, whatever you have. So there's plenty of it in the hospital documents, Um, especially in the report or the 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 sort of the the notes of what happened that day. But then once you get into the certificate of live birth, which is kind of the final document from the hospital, already there you have omissions. So basically the only biometric info on that certificate is biometric info about the baby and all of the other stuff, including the placenta, is omitted as if it didn't exist. Okay, then The church notification, which is the next document, doesn't have any biometric info on it. There's no biometric info. So let's look at these two steps hospital certificate of live birth. And already that has omissions because it doesn't have all of the biometric info that was on the previous paperwork, the birth report. So there's omissions already in that. It does not describe what. Was delivered. It does not describe the baby and its membranes. Let's put it like that. Now, next paper in this paper trail is the church notification. And that church notification doesn't have any biometric info on it. Okay. So, what you have is you have a hospital document that is incorrect in substance and it doesn't have any name on it for the baby. And then you have the next document from search, which doesn't have any biometric info, but it has a name on it.
0: <laughs> is there a difference in how the name is recorded on those two on that step from where it came from?
1: There is, but let's not get into that. Okay. It's, it's irrelevant here. Okay. It's not irrelevant, but it's not the, the point I'm trying to make. So so basically the paper trail is not logical because that's a major shift, right? And then when you hop in to the register uh, from the church to the register, the, the, the register says that they got the information from the church, but there's no biometric info on it. So how do they know who is this guy?
0: Maybe that's the point, they, they, don't, they don't care, they've just created a fiction, right?
1: Yeah, exactly, so that's what it leads to. So they create an identity, but there's no biometric info. About the identity um, on the, on the register, and this of course now brings out all kinds of thoughts. For example, related to the the, the push for digital ID and all that. But if you think about the digit, there's a little sidetrack here to the to the digital ID that is the uh, World Economic Forum push now. If you look at that, and if you know, you can find the presentation. Uh, if you just Google with words, a blueprint for digital identity, you will find that WEF presentation about how it works. So interestingly, that uses um, an example uh, of how the population register interacts with the digital identity uh, framework. And that example is from Finland. And on page 81 and 83, of that presentation they explain exactly this interaction (laughs) and it's very revealing because it says on page page 83 it says the citizens are required to provide up-to-date information to the population register such that the register can trust the information they are receiving okay And, and by the way when i got the information from the population register, they remember they refused to certify it in substance. So they only said that we can only certify that we have this information, but we cannot certify that this is correct. Okay, so I have to certify that it's correct. But I can see that it's not correct. Okay, (laughs) now page 81, it says, again, this same presentation says, the user must approve and certify that the data being transferred. Uh, in this case, they talk about the bank ID uh, from the bank to the RP is accurate. And then they say eliminating any liability risk for the population register. So they're saying it outright here. They don't want the risk. Okay. So because the risk is on them if you don't accept the identity. If you accept the identity, if you identify as that, you're tacitly saying that the information on that register is correct and that is you.
0: But isn't it a trap, Sweet? I mean, if yeah. You, so you've got this ID. In the old days, you had the opportunity to say, because things were being done in real time, no, that's not me, or what's this mean, or this isn't correct with the digital identity. The difference is I need this service, I need to get on a plane, I need to buy food, whatever you're mm-hmm. doing. If you dispute it, uh, then you're basically cut off from goods and services. So it's a bit of a trap. No, I
1: don't think it's that dramatic. Okay. See, what I've been saying all along, is, or you know, look at it from this perspective: you, it, the identity exists. Okay, so it's there, and most of the people have been using it. I don't know many people who never had anything any id or any identity you know even if you didn't use it ever it's still there right so it exists but the question is what how do you interact in relation to that okay if you say i identify as it i am it then there is nothing else but if you say i know it exists but i know that there's some problems with that paperwork. So I cannot identify as it.
0: How, how do you do that? How does uh, one just go say about Say it like that?
1: that. Say it like that.
0: Well wait a minute though. It's Can all there.
1: Say- it's run. So, so 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 let me let me conclude this because this will clarify it. So what does not happen is when I say it like that, it doesn't have a legal effect on me. You see? I'm making a distinction. I'm saying yeah I know it's there. I know I've even used it, but I never intended to be that because it's not, for me, it's not that. I don't even, you haven't even explained what it is. See,
0: And this this is on you because you said that it was up to the user of the ID uh, Mm -hmm. to either confirm or deny. So there is some opportunity or some method in place that you have to initiate to make the points that you're making.
1: Yeah. So now you're saying basically that, yeah, it's there and I know all of these accounts and registrations and everything is tied into that and travel documents and driver's licenses and everything, but but fine. So they are in form, correct, and they, they can be used. But the point is, if I have to use it, I have to also give a disclaimer saying that I know that this is not me. See? I'm saying that I don't identify as this I'm just I just have these documents and by the way if you look at your passport look at the signature field and there's little explanation in the back you know there's like number of codes for those fields and the field where you have your signature it says the signature of the holder it's not the signature of the person it's the signature of the holder so think about it like that so the man is just holder of the document and then you can either identify as it and give up your other rights or you can say that yeah i have it but you know before i give up any rights you would need to explain what it what this is and why did you do it like this
0: so i'm assuming you do this digitally right you're, you're having to do these interfaces with an email or something right
1: yeah so what i de- decided to do is that i'm, I'm just spraying this information to basically any any official interaction that i have i include this part so i would say that okay yeah so you know you're approaching you're trying to reach this registered person so you know because this your in your questions or whatever this 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 matter is that you're talking about relates to that registered person i have to point out that i know that there's some problems with that identity And I just completely turned the, I just include that as one of the topics in any discussion now. See what I mean? Yes. So that's how it works. And then, so the information is inconsistent. That's one thing. But the bigger uh, revelation here was that I realized that the chain of custody has to be there. Because what made me curious here was that how can the church say that they are giving a name to their member and the wording is their member and i tried to ask them directly i said define member first of all well you can pull that up from merriam-webster and you know the first one is lim but also how can you say your member Uh, like what's the authority that you have how does this legally sort of work um, and I got nothing back, so I got really curious. And then I went back to the hospital documents and I started looking at, well, what's actually happening here? And this is the heavy stuff. So I put this little disclaimer or reminder here that you know, to all of the lawyers and physicians, government, the church people who listen to this, you know, don't get mad at me. I'm not. I'm not getting mad at you either. I just want answers. Just answer the questions. Uh, prove me wrong. And, you know, I don't have to ask these questions anymore. I'm not selling anything. No, I'm not even here. I don't, I haven't, I I have, you know, I've been discussing these topics and I'm auditing your paperwork. So, you know, it's your problem. All right. (laughs) The chain of custody. And as you might guess, it relates to the biological material and more specifically, the missing material, right? So let's start from the very beginning. How is this all, how all of this comes to be? So in the in the womb, uh, which is also time immem- immemorial, the fertilization happens, and the zygote exists before the placenta exists. We all know that. It's provable very easily so what it means is and if you dig deeper it what it means is that the unique dna exists before anything else starts developing and before even the placenta is capable of forming because it's not attached to embryo pre-implantation embryo is not attached yet it's just floating okay so the biological identity let me let's use that term, exists before the conception or the implantation. Okay, so the biological identity, uh, which, you know, there are great papers, medical papers that describe what that is. So basically, it's not just the DNA, it's, it's how the DNA interacts over time with its surroundings. And that interaction produces results. Um, it evolves in a unique way. See what I mean? So even if you have exactly the same DNA, the interaction over time with the surroundings will not be identical. So that even identical twins will be slightly different from each other. And that's the biological identity. It's not just the DNA. It's, it's the whole package over time. Okay, and that exists first then happens the implantation and there's all kinds of terminological problems with the implantation because basically the church uh, changed the terminology and started talking about conception and bundled together uh implantation and fertilization and they call that conception so you don't really know what they mean nice little obfuscation
0: there so it's an obfuscation on on the zygote on the creation of the zygote yeah so what they are trying what what they had to do let's let me say it like that
1: what they had to do was to get rid of the idea that there is some kind of creation event before the implantation before the creation of the placenta
0: this this carries into so many things in the united states because of the argument over abortion um that came down to when does life actually start which is ridiculous because it's plain on the face of it, but I'm just yeah. pointing out that what the church apparently started went straight into United States politics to further obscure the idea.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very crucial uh, definition. And they say it outright in some of the Vatican papers, I can link them. But basically, they are saying kind of like, it doesn't matter, but it makes a huge difference. Uh, because the point is that the biological identity exists before the implantation. And when the implantation happens, that's when the placenta starts forming. Because it would not form if there was no implantation. You see, there would be nothing. And by the way, the the evolution of the embryo would stop uh, because it cannot sustain itself without the placenta. So what then happens is that it attaches, and then the placenta starts growing because of the influence of the embryo attaching, and then slowly the embryoblast cells in the embryo start forming the organs of the baby and then the baby basically grows inside of the amnion but out of the apparently out of the placenta okay and then we hit the delivery date and when the delivery happens all of that obviously is delivered and the correct definition of delivery is baby and its membranes okay so there's no question about it and this is recorded on the hospital papers as well it's all there okay so the definition of the new life that is already in existence that is being delivered it can you know you can measure it but the measurements on the hospital papers are not correct
0: how are they incorrect
1: first of all they're treating the placenta and the baby as two separate things
0: And you just pointed out that delivery points out that it's all that stuff together.
1: Yeah, and it's attached together, (laughs) right? Right, right. They are attached until they cut it. Yeah, yeah. Forget if if you don't consider the cut first, it's all there. So the the cut would be an intervention, and it would change what you apparently observe, right? Yep. But it's not. It doesn't change the reality again. It's an artificial interaction that creates two apparently different things. But they are not two different things. They are one and the same thing. And that's, that's sort of the core of the problem here. Because then when you start looking at the paperwork, you can immediately see that they are not treating whatever is being recorded on that paperwork. It's not the man as, it was, as the man was created.
0: So, the process is a fiction in itself. It's not just that they're creating a fiction, but there's fiction built into the process. The process of the delivery or? No, the descriptions and how all the documents are going to be made. What you're pointing yeah. out here is that it's not, it's in, re- in real world, what we can observe is not being really reflected in, yeah. in what's being written down. So, I'm pointing out that isn't that a huge flaw in, in what's it, yeah. going on here?
1: It's a huge flaw, exactly. So it, it's, it doesn't reflect reality. That paper doesn't. It's not the reality.
0: How do you feel about what Kurt said? You know, he's basically preempting all this, saying, hey, man, I, I was alive at the zygote. That's way before all the stuff you're trying to describe. Yeah. Do you feel like there's a place for this line of thinking as well?
1: No, it's completely parallel with this. I, I okay. you know, that's, that, that's what so I say as well. And that's, okay. by the way, what I say when I inform these guys about the problems in their paperwork. I say this is not how I, this doesn't describe me because I was created at the fertilization.
0: So I'm a little slow, sweet, but did you just point out a failure point in the system? Is that what you've done here? Have you pointed? Yeah.
1: Okay. So what they are starting to do right there in the delivery room is they're starting to distort reality. They're starting to create a record, which in itself, the record exists. So they can say that this record exists, so it's true, but it's true only in form. It's not true in substance. And most of the people never think about this. It does, the substance of what the papers say is not correct, but the papers look okay. And people who do these papers have been taught to do them the way they're done. And they don't know about this problem. So they create documentary evidence which is not correct.
0: And then it's signed by people who are not the parents and not the individual, right? There we go. So these are just agents of a system.
1: There we go. So then they start signing. First, they just record what happened. But then when they make that certificate of live birth, that actually gets signed and certified by the hospital. Now that the pro- there's all kinds of problems, like actually like grammatical problems with that, that paper as well but my interest that you know th- th- there's a ton of sort of problems in the paperwork but if we now focus on the chain of custody then think about what's happening here the paperwork says that they are treating these now they're treating the placenta and the and, and the boy as two different things incorrectly so but still they're doing it like that And then on the certificate of live birth, there's no info about the placenta at all. So that certification certifies something completely fictitious, but it's also evidence. What is it evidence of? It's evidence that the placenta is somewhere because it exists. There's records of it already. So it's an organ that is somewhere. So you can think about it as you know if somebody gets their leg amputated at the hospital the leg is there and then the guy is there and by the way you can find plenty of (laughs) ecclesiastical art pieces (laughs) showing this same process Uh, meaning
0: amputations of legs and all that stuff I guess they like to play with that idea. Well, there's a couple things, you know, I just recently watched a movie called the last emperor, which was about the supposed last emperor of China, all the eunuchs, when they had their genitalia cut off, they kept it in a box because they stated that even a eunuch had the right to be buried as a whole man, which I think starts to play into the similar idea, but Mm -hmm. sweet. What does this do for the parents who took their inheritance with them? What, what has been done to the process for the parents that took the call, the placenta, took all that stuff with them?
1: Yes, yeah, it's a difficult one because I don't, I don't really, you know, people who did that should do the same thing that I've done. So they should still go to the population register and get the paperwork, like ask, how was this entry created? And then whatever the paperwork is behind that will tell them something. Now, uh, because the entry is fictitious, we know it already. It cannot be because the first official paperwork is already right from the get-go, incorrect. So it cannot be anything except fictitious uh, entry or entity. So if it is like that, then it doesn't really matter uh, where where the organ is. Because if you still create a fictitious entry and somebody goes and says, yeah, I'm that entry, I'm that identity, it does the same trick. Because it's still a fictitious creature of someone else that you identify as. So you just swap your rights and duties from one entity to another. So I'm thinking from legal perspective, it doesn't probably matter if you still have that population register entry there
0: oh i see what you're saying because because the record is the record they don't give a damn what yeah. you know what the actual point is they've got it they've got a document they can use
1: exactly and yeah. you know they take a nice photo of you and put it on the id document and they oh, look at it it's you isn't it so <laughs> so they already have that and it exists and it can be used in courts for example to prove who you are, if you identify as it. So, so so it doesn't really matter. The substance is irrelevant. However, since I found what I found in these papers, and we're coming to that now, uh, closer to that than in the second hour as well. What I can say now is that, so I kind of turned it around now and I said, look, the entry is there, but it's not correct. So you need to fix the entry right? The entry needs to reflect my true status, okay? So I don't mind if you make an entry, but you better do it correct. And I can see all kinds of problems with it. And here's a list that you need to fix. And here is a list of questions that you need to answer so that I can guide you in how to make that entry correct.
0: You know? But wait a minute, so we, I'm getting confused here because so we have a character, the certificated, you know, census database entry, as you've called it, the, the fake person, yeah. the imaginary mm-hmm. character. Now, if you go take that database and get it updated to correctly reflect correctly, you, the living man, aren't you putting yourself in the position of being responsible, the living man?
1: <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying is that, yeah, you, you know, it's, you're an external entity to me. If you want to keep some records about me, fine, do it. But make sure that if somebody, some of your guys come and talk to me, they can see from the record what our true position is relative to each other. See what I mean? You cannot assume anything from that record anymore because it's incorrect. If you want to use that record for your authority or whatever, you better make it reflect the true identity.
0: Okay, so sweet we're we're at about 50 55 minutes so we're going to need to wrap okay. up. So let's let's put a nice bow on the end of hour 1. Go ahead and wrap up what you want to get into hour 1, please.
1: Yeah, so I'm just looking at the notes. So basically what we're going to get into next is how the chain of custody is actually an automatic process. And I was able to find the law references that at the time would have been in place or the laws that would have been in place at the time that basically create the path of custody for the organ and that's a very interesting process because that basically starts to explain how this thing how this whole process could actually Happen so that they use that organ in the process of creating that entry, and that's their sort of backup of being able to say that. Yeah, the entry is you. It still doesn't, as we will see, it's still it's still incorrect because the paperwork does not correctly reflect uh, what what the reality is, and if nothing, it's not not at all transparent. But anyways, what, what we can see now is that these two key problems are there. So, first of all, let me just recap. The information on this poll paper trail is illogical. There's like it's almost like at each step of this paper trail something is being dropped off. And it ends up in the population register, which is actually the basis of all of your all of these identity documents that they then create and send to you so there's major question marks in the paperwork itself and then the second one that we're going to talk about is that there's also a major problem with the chain of custody of who's actually in possession of the placenta or
0: the organ so these i I mean you, you this is what i love about kurt this is what i love about you no one can argue with what you've laid down because you did it firsthand. You kept precise records. And Kurt once brought to the table, hey, man, you guys are acting like all these things that happened nine months after the fact affect me. Sorry, I was alive nine Mm -hmm. months earlier than that. Love it. You Mm -hmm. have just pointed out that there's a total fiction in between the two key documents uh, that are made, which is irreconcilable. That seems like a huge uh, point that someone could use to begin to unravel this at some point, but you just pointed out another thing that we're going to get into hour two, which seems like another huge failing of the system. But isn't it interesting that even a system that seeks to build a fictitious character for the world stage leaves logic behind as the documents to do that very thing are being created. All right. We're just going to wrap it. There's so much to think about here, but sweet. Thank you so much. That was hour one of episode 409. The first hour is free to everybody at CrowTriple7Radio.com, crrow O radiocom Members know to log in for the full two-hour or two-hour-plus episode. With that, these are critical episodes. By the time you've heard this, go out. Kirk Kallenbach will have done another episode with us. These are key, key things, and they show a path emerging in our time, hopefully. But there it is. I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era, and we'll see you for hour two shortly. Cheers. Cheers.